And then today, I got really messed up with my notes, and I thought, okay, Lord, if you don't want me to teach, I, I won't. Kathy will, Kathy will understand. And it was like, no, get your behind over there. It's time to go. It's time to go. So uh, I just wanted to say hi and thank you for coming, and we, we're so excited to see you all. Um, so let's get comfy. If you need your notes out and your Bible out, let's get ready, and let's come before the Father. Father God, you are so good, so good. And we thank you, Father, for this time. This time to, to really celebrate the gift of Jesus to each one of our hearts. We thank you, Father, for the gift of hope and life that you give us, Father, because of your Son that gave everything. And I pray, Father, that tonight, Lord, you would just cover this room with your presence. I pray, Father, for my sisters here, those that are struggling, those that are wondering why you're taking so long, those that are afraid, those that are seeking your face, Father, for the sisters that are new believers, for the widows, for the divorced, for each one of them, Father. I pray, Father, that your hand would cover them and that tonight they would see that you are their sufficiency, that you are more than enough, more than enough to meet every need. And Lord, I pray for our youth, our young ones that are stepping up. I thank you for them, Lord. I pray your hand would just cover them, Lord, as mothers and grandmothers and sisters, Father, that we would just lift them up in our prayers as they are the next generation stepping up. And I thank you for the saints that, that are stepping up even now, Lord. And we dedicate this evening to you, Lord, that in it, that I would be invisible, that they would see nobody but just you. And that during this holiday season, Father, that we would be a light, Father, whether it's in the grocery store, in the gas station, even at the crazy mall, Lord, at the workplace, Father, help us to be a light that represents you and you only. And I thank you for this time. We dedicate this evening to you, Father, that in it, that you alone, Father, would just receive all glory and all praise. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. And for those of you that don't know me, I'm a big crybaby. So, where's that box of Kleenex? I got it. Okay. But like I said, you know, I was, I was really sick last week, so I just thought, well, you know. And then I started praying, maybe they won't come. <laughs> and you're all here. So I just want to go through my notes. I'll try and stick, stick to them because if I gravitate, we won't have enough time and I don't want to get you home at 10 o'clock. So tonight we have a lot to cover. Um, uh, we'll talk later about uh, this Christmas season too and the wonderful gift of Jesus. So let's get started. My name is Linda Bruce. I've been a believer for over 45 years now. I've been blessed with the gift of mentoring young minds and hearts for over 40 of those years. Here we go. <laughs> There's been a lot of changes in those 40 years, for sure. But one thing remains the same in the heart of every single person. What is God's purpose for my life right now? And how will I know it? So tonight, we're going to take a deep look into God's word at the gift of singleness. And hopefully, each one of you will be encouraged by God's plan for each and every one of us. Whether God has called you to a life of singleness or if this is just a season in your life right now, be encouraged that there is a purpose and a place in the family of Christ for each and every one of you right now. There is no limit to what the Lord can do with a willing heart. Amen? 
Um, There's several words that we're going to cover tonight, as the title for tonight is holy, not H-O-L-Y, but holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y, and wisely content. Holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y, means entirely, totally, to the whole content. Like when Jesus says he wants you to love him with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind. You know, that means like when you're jumping off a diving board, you got to close your eyes and let go. You're, you're all in. You're going for it. That's when you wholly are content. Contentment means it's a state of being content, being satisfied completely. You know, haven't you ever had like a really good meal? And after you sit down, it's like, man, that was like so good. So not like, what's for dessert? I mean, you, you've had enough. It's like, you're not, you're content. Sacred means you're set apart. You're dedicated to the service or worship of a, for a spiritual purpose. And consecrated is another word we're going to talk about. And it means highly honored, sacred, or set apart. Okay, so let's, um, let's, briefly, talk about, um, let's briefly talk about one of your, for the younger people here, one of your favorite searches, search engines, Googles, because you know they never lie and they never exaggerate. But I was looking up some stuff because I know that's, you know, this generation, everything's on the, on the tablet, on the, on the iPad, on the, you know, phones. So I was looking up and I found a few dozen um, comments about what spiritual singleness is and non-spiritual viewpoints are. And I mixed them up just to share with you. Okay, number one, it says, I'm not single. I'm not taken. I'm simply on reserve for the one who deserves my heart. For a non-believer, that's a pretty good start. But God wants you to have his best, only his best. Number two, it says, being single doesn't mean that you are weak. It means that you're strong enough to wait for what you deserve. I like that one. Number three, he says, don't trust what you you only see, because even salt looks like sugar. I like that one, too. Number four, it says, I like this one. This is one of those where you want to go, snap. It goes, don't be eye candy only. I choose to be soul food. I like that. Number five, it says, um, even when you feel all alone, get up, dress up, show up, and never give up. God still has a plan. And number six says, yes, I'm single. I like this one. It says, yes, I'm single. So if you're looking for perfection, then I am not the woman for you. But if you're looking for honesty, loyalty, and maybe a little bit of crazy, that's all me. I like that. Number seven says, when you feel like waiting for God, on God's timing is taking forever, Always remember, in him, you are braver than you believe. You are smarter than you think. You are loved so much more than you know right now. Number eight, it says, And to all the sisters, especially all the single ladies tonight, remember, you are the daughter of the king of kings. So walk like it, talk like it, dress like it, and wait for the godly man who treats you like it. Number nine, it says, uh, Being single doesn't mean no one wants you. It means God's still busy writing your love story. Number 10, when loneliness becomes too much, some days be encouraged. God has a purpose for your pain, a reason for your struggle, a reward for your faithfulness. Trust him today and don't ever give up. Two more. 11, I like this. It says, I will not be anyone's half time, down time, spare time, or some time. So don't waste my time. <laughs> Snap. I like that. <laughs> Number 12, the last one says, and the last one for the singles, for the singles, the widowed, the divorced, or for those of us that are just waiting on the Lord right now, remember, you're never, ever alone. 
You are blessed. You are chosen. You are adopted. You are accepted. You are redeemed, and you are forgiven. My study's over. I get to go. No, I'm done. <laughs> okay. And, uh, okay, so let's go to, let's get started. So sometimes being a, a Christian can be hard. There are, you know, the, nobody ever, if anybody's ever told you the Christian walk is easy, that's a lie. The Christian walk is hard. It's just a rough road, but man, it is, the, the beautiful thing about God's word, <laughs> I, whenever I share with someone that doesn't read the Bible regularly, I say, you know what? In the end, we win. In the end, God wins. So I'll tell you the end of it. I'll tell you the end of the story. You know, it's the getting into it part for us. That's the hard part. And the staying into it part. And it doesn't matter if you're 17. It doesn't matter if you're 77. It's the every day that God calls us to. But I'm gravitating. Let me go back. Okay, so it says sometimes being a single Christian is hard, especially if you're feeling lonely and your desire is to be married. And in those moments when you get weary and start thinking that God has forgotten about your heart's desire, it's important to remember to seek the Lord in prayer during your season of singleness. Waiting on the Lord, being still, is a lesson we all struggle with, but it's so important. Let's start with what does the Bible say about singleness. Uh, in the following scriptures, remind us that of God's presence in this, single, in this season and provides assurance and understanding when you feel frustrated or alone. This first verse on singleness is important because we want to encourage you to see singleness first from the Apostle Paul's perspective. Because in this beautiful season, you have the potential to focus on God and his work through you. Pray for wisdom with the time that you have. Don't waste the time you have available looking and searching for the one. But instead, use your undivided attention and devotion to honor God with your life. Allow him to be the center of your life, the only one true love, your main focus. I like to call him the shepherd of my heart. In uh, 1 Corinthians, I'll read them for you. But if you want to flip there, that's fine too. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 34, this is a, a condensed version. It says, an unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs. And that means that her main focus is devoted to the Lord in both her body and in her spirit. And uh, the next one is from Proverbs 31.30. It says, Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Of course, the Proverbs 31 woman teaches every woman, married or not, about what a godly woman looks like. Therefore, the best thing you can do to prepare yourself to be found by your future husband, if that's God's will for your life, is to start working on those characteristics that define a godly woman, like fearing the Lord, respect, reverence, knowing his word, living his word, caring for others, and seeking godly wisdom in this single of singleness, this season of singleness, excuse me. Next, it says, prayer is so vital in the walk of the single believer and every believer. You have to make prayer a priority. Um, I'm not a person that likes to get up really, really early in the morning like my husband does, but one thing I do like to do is I like to strap up my dogs and go for a long walk, and I my boys bought me this really nice jacket for the early morning that you could stick like your MP3 player. I don't even want an MP3. I want it quiet. I want to talk to my father. I want to vent and cry and praise him and thank him and trust him and re let him remind me that he's there with me. He's there helping me. He's, he's there. He's always there. But you got to make the time. you got to promise yourself you're going to do it and then do it. It's as simple as that. Are you praying for God's best, um, for your future husband? 
Even for the, late, for the moms here, yes, even if your children are still really young, if they're still in the home, for us as moms, we need to be praying for their future spouses now, that they would be guided and covered in their hearts regarding the things of God, that they would be committed to the Lord and his purposes. It's never too early to pray, no matter how young your children are. And we can, and, or how old they are, even if they're on their own, of course. And we can never pray enough for our children and our grandchildren. I mean, say, for example, if your children are 12, 14, 15, they're with all these people telling them all this other stuff. And if we're not praying for them, who is? If we're not asking the Lord, you know, cover them, Father, cover them with your hand, hold them, bind back the enemy from them, Lord. You know, if you have sons, Lord, bring them a godly friend, a godly sweetheart one day. Someone that is grounded in you. If you have daughters, Lord, cover him now. Bring him now into your presence that he would be a, an asset to her and lift her up and encourage her and pray with her, pray over her. But we as parents, we as grandparents, we need to do that for our kids. We need to. I, I love it when, I, you know, I, I've been mentoring kids, since, well, from when I used to teach uh, in the public school system forever. It feels like like most of my life. I mean, some of you I've known since you were little, like, like Mary and Lily. I've known you guys since you used to hold your, your stuffed animals. <laughs> and now you're moms, you know. And gosh, it's crazy. It's, it doesn't seem like it, that fast. It doesn't. It goes by fast. So, you know, grab the time that you have. And pray for your kids. Even if they're married, that they would be grounded and rooted in God's word, that they would be serious in their walk and a light in the workplace and a light for their spouse. You know, don't ever stop praying for them, ever. Um, and for the ladies, again, are you praying yourself, for yourself, sister? I'm praying for the ladies here, that you would be God's best for your future mate, again, if that's God's will for marriage for you. That means being willing to allow the Lord to do his perfect work in your life as well. That means you're giving God permission to do his perfect will and make changes in you that you may or may not be prepared for. Um, I have a little example I wanted to share, and um, it's cute. I remember a few studies ago, Rita was sharing about when she first met Jim, and, and you know, you fall in love, and you start doodling, and she was putting, you know, Mrs. Jim Pedragon, Mrs. Jim Pedragon, and they were just sweethearts, you know, and I thought that was, like, so cute. I was so much of a tomboy. I didn't do stuff like that. I wanted to go play in the dirt or play baseball and stuff. But I just thought that is so, that it was just, you know, so cute. But, um, you know, when people, when they're young and they fall in love, they do fall in love. It's, it is. It's deep. It's, it's hard. It's real. But, but it's not real. You know, a six- or a seven-year-old is not going to marry that guy. I'm sorry. Um, to talk about young love for a second, I'm going to tell you a quick little story. Um, when I was in elementary school, um, I had a, a crush on a boy named Bruce Torres. Serious crush on this boy. And he, he could run like a stallion in, you know, in, in PE. And he had this beautiful black hair and really sweet, I'm a sweet kid. And he always sat right next to me. And when uh, there was a fire drill, he would always reach out and grab my hand. And I, I didn't even think about it. You know, I, I don't know if they do that now, but I don't know if you're supposed to touch each other now or what. But he would always hold my hand. And anyway, one day he writes me a note and he says, I really like you, Linda. Can you meet me over by the bleachers after school? So I'm like, you know, like, Bruce wants to meet me. You know, okay. So I didn't know this, but, you know, he, we were six. 
So he told, like, everybody that he was going to tell me that he liked me. So, we, so I go, and I walk over to the bleachers after school, and I'm all excited. And he goes, he, he goes Linda, he goes, I got something to tell you. And I said, okay, what? And he, reached, and he gives me this big old smoochie on the kids, like, one of those. And I was like, and his friends were like, oh, Bruce got the girlfriend. And he reached back, and he punched me in the eye and knocked, knocked me to the ground. So I had my first love, my first kiss, and my first black eye, all in the same week. <laughs> and, you know, for those of you that know, know that my grandmother, my grandmother was my, my, my advocate. And I came home with my black eye, and her little tacones came to the school with her high heels all upset. And very, boys don't hit, boys don't hit. And she made it very clear that that is not what you do. Um, but obviously, he was not God's best. He was not who I was praying for. And I realized right then and there that boys were just yucky, and I felt that way for a long, long, long while. Okay, <laughs> so at that time, I was not praying for God's best at the time. Basically, I was clueless. But fast forward, about, two, about a year after I, um, I graduated from college, I got saved. And I was full of man's ways and man's thinkings, and I was went to the women's movement, and I thought I knew everything and then some. But I got saved, and I came to find out I didn't know anything, nothing. I had a whole lot of paper and document that said I was somebody, but in God's eyes, without him, we're nobody. And I usually used to sit in the very back of the church when we were going to the Kung Fu studio, which was very small, you know, and the minute church was over, I'd take off. And um, I met a young man that was one of our leaders, one of our youth leaders, not youth leaders, our young adult leaders. And you probably know who he was. His first name was Tony. And he mentored me. He taught me how to read the word. He encouraged me to pray. Uh, He was just really, really a blessing. And he asked me to marry him. And we were talking about getting married and having a life. And without getting into my my past life before Jesus, I, I did a whole lot of stupid things. And I had it came with a whole lot of baggage. And we were planning our wedding. And we prayed and we sought counsel and we were going to go for it. And I got invited to a youth conference. And Chuck Smith was one of the teachers. And Chuck said, excuse me. <laughs> Chuck said, God wants nothing but the best for your life. For however long you're on this planet. But you got to want to be the best in your life for your partner, for yourself. And in my heart, I knew that he was the best for me. He, was, he loved the Lord. He was handsome. He was athletic. He was funny. He was kind. He was patient. He was all those things I wanted. But I wasn't the best for him. And I needed to love him enough to let him go. And that was one of the hardest things I ever had to do. But the sweet things about when you're a believer, if you really, really have the Lord in the center of your relationship, when we finally stop crying and stop talking, you know, what about this? What, how about this? How will we try this? And we realize this was it. We decided to break up slowly. So we still went out to church on Wednesday and Sundays, and then it was every two weeks. We went out to eat after that, and then it was once a month, and it was very slow. 
And, um, and I just thought, you know, this guy was like the whole package that I wanted. He was the whole package. But I needed to let the Lord work on me. And so I just thought, you know what? I'm done with guys. I don't want to date anymore. I don't want, I have no desire. So for the next three years, it was just me and Jesus. And it was amazing. I got to serve. I got to come and go as I please. And it was, it was amazing. I just really loved it. And one night, I, I don't know if the Lord's ever given you like a, like a funny feeling when you meet somebody or you, you see something in a dream. And um, one night I had a dream that somebody that was all dressed in black was crying. And they were in our, our church. We were at the, at, well, it used to be a Safeway market on Sunset and Puente. We used to be over there. And I never get a, dr- a dream more than once. I get it, and it's like, what the heck was that? Was it the pizza I had? What the heck was that? But it was like this guy, I just remember, he was in the front of the church, and he was all dark, all in black. And there were all these little people around. Little, like He was like a, like a gigante. He was like a giant, you know, next to them. So the Lord was like, no, you, you, know, you need to pray for this guy. So, okay. So I, I just started praying for whoever this man was. You know, Lord, maybe he's just out of prison. I don't know, you know, you know. Started praying for him. So not even a few more Wednesdays went by. And one Wednesday night, I went to church. And it seemed like the Bible study just started. And I could feel the spirit of the Lord saying, he's here. Pray for him now. Pray for him now. And it's like, and of course, you know, you're, we're not, you know our flesh. Where is he? Where is he? You know? and, uh, and, I, and, I, and I could just feel the Lord saying, pray for him now. And it felt like I prayed for like two minutes. I just remember putting my hands on the chair in front of him, putting my head down. And it was like the all, and the study had just started, and the altar call came. And back in those days, they sort of like dim the lights, and you know, let, so that nobody would be embarrassed. You know, when you you humble yourself before the Lord and accept Him. And um, and so I said, okay, Lord, I'm praying for Him. I don't know where it, where He is or what it, you know. You you do the work that you're going to do. I'm going to be faithful to pray for Him. And at the end, I could hear uh, Rawl saying, you know, okay, and so you, you, know, you say the sinner's prayer, find a good church, get a Bible, start reading, get in the Word. And so when he, I hear him talk, I look up, and there's all these people in the front row, all these little Mexicanos, these little tiny Latinos, and this big, giant white guy in the middle, all in black. And that was my husband, Kenny, the night he got saved. <laughs> And I married him a year and a day later, and we've been together for 43 years. <laughs> yeah. But you got to be willing to wait on the Lord. And it's hard. It's hard to wait on the Lord. But you know what? I, you know, I was telling Kathy, it's hard to let out some things when we're talking about singles because we got to have singleness of heart. You know, just like, you know, when Job was saying, you know, naked I came into the world. Naked I'm going to leave, but blessed be the name of the Lord. You know, it's got to be you and Jesus, whether you're single, whether you're married, whether you're widowed, whether you're divorced, whether you're waiting, whether you're frustrated, whether whatever's going on in your life, it's got to be you and Jesus first. Because nobody else is going to, no job, no car, no, I don't care how cute guys are, they get ugly, they get wrinkled, you know, they get tired, they get grouchy, you know, I, no, but when you have, and you know, and when, when I met Kenny, you know, I met him, I, I met him that night, and then a few weeks later, we started talking, and, you know, he was, like, all excited, and he was nothing on my, I think we all have a list, I don't, I, I don't know if you guys, I did, I liked him athletic, I liked him educated, I liked him uh, grounded in the word, 
you know, here's a guy, he barely graduated from high school. He was working in a factory, brand new believer, cocky as all heck. And I'm like, oh, heck no. But you know what? Once he got rid of that facade he, the, the, he thought was impressing me, and he really got to talk, and I, I had to tell him, you know what? Your heart's safe with me. I'm not going to judge you. I got to see <laughs> what a beautiful man the Lord made. And I'm honored to be his wife. <laughs> I told you I was going to cry. I told you. I, I warned you. <laughs> okay. But he's good. He's always good. Okay. Um, so let me keep going. Romans 12.1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Yes, we're going to go there for a minute. Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit and therefore need to be honored as such. We need to strive daily to obey God by laying aside our physical, sexual desires and instead adopt godly desires that will honor him. It's not easy at times, but God is faithful to walk with us each and every obstacle, each and every step of the way. He's faithful. 1 Corinthians 7, 7 through 8 says, I wish that all of you were as I am, but each of you has your own gift from God. One has this gift, another has that. Now, to the unmarried and the widows, I say, it is good for them to stay unmarried as I do. Here, it needs to be said that marriage, as well as singleness, are gifts from God, and neither is better than the other. Paul is saying that he wished everyone had the same amount of time he had to devote themselves to God's ministry entirely. For Paul, this was possible because he didn't have the responsibility of caring for a wife, a home, or children. This Bible verse on being single shows you that you're at an advantage when it comes to serving God because you can devote yourself completely to his service. Titus 2.6 says, similarly, encourage the young men and women to be self-controlled. One of the hardest parts of being single is to master self-control. Because of our fleshly desires, it's easy to give in to what pleases your body. The Bible, this Bible verse reminds us that remaining self-controlled is something that needs encouragement. So if you're struggling with lust, find an accountability partner or a group that can pray with you and pray for you. Pray about seeking out a mentor to meet with you, lift, to lift you up in prayer regularly and to keep you accountable. We will talk more about that later on. Psalm 119, 9 and 10 says, How can a young person stay on the path of purity? The answer is, by living according to your word, I seek you my whole, with my whole heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. This Bible verse about purity does not need a lot of explanation. Remaining pure is, the only, pos- is only possible by seeking God and not following the ways or the thinking of this world. In Matthew 6.33, we all know this, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you as well. And it says here, believe it or not, your main focus during your single season is not to get a man, but how to draw closer to God. Abiding in his presence, delighting in his laws, serving serving the body as he leads, and trusting in his promises will help you receive God's best in your life. Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 8, it says that there's a season for everything and a season for everything under heaven. No matter how much you may not care for this season of singleness, the fact is God thinks it's necessary for you. He might be teaching you an important lesson uh, to prepare you in the future for your marriage. 
or it might simply not be the right time. But either way, God has a plan for you. All you need to do is stay on his plan and remain joyful. The Bible calls this season a gift from God in multiple verses, as we have seen. He stresses that the single person is at an advantage because she or he uh, gets to completely devote their life to Christ. Use your, your season of singleness to focus on who you are and will serve. it will serve you in the long run as well. If, um, if you do get into a godly relationship, you want to make sure to keep God at the center of everything. However, this does not mean that you have to remain single. Just like Paul sums it up in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, each person has their own gift and calling from God, which may or may not include marriage. So if you are contemplating whether God has called you to be single, ask yourself, what God has called you to do with your life, will marriage serve to advance his kingdom? Okay, so um, this next section says, so what, what does this woman look like who is holy and wisely content? I know that, uh, we went through a study, it was a while back, about the Proverbs 31 woman. And I don't know about you guys, but I thought, there's no way I'm going to even be close to this. <laughs> you know, she's like, like, perfect, you know. She cooks really good. She keeps her house really nice. I got dog hair in my house, and there's lint, and the laundry, you know. But you know what? The beautiful thing is that God loves you just the way you are. You know, it does, if people come over to my house and say, hey, you're welcome, put, a, put your feet on the couch, I don't care. And there's people, you go to their house and you don't want to move. You know? I mean, haven't you ever been to a house like that? It's like, you know, I, my house, you're, you're welcome to come over. But my dog is very big and very hairy, and so is my husband. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I said that. <laughs> but you're welcome. Yeah, <laughs> Lord Jesus, help me. Okay, so what does this woman look like who is holy and wisely content? Recently, I read an article about three different types of Christian women. Um, they were called, the first one was called the consecrated uh, Christian woman. She's sp- spiritually set apart for God's purposes. The next one was called the conceited one. She's a sister on stony ground. And the third one was called the contender. She's on thorny ground. And I'm sure that we've all been acquainted with all three, right? If we're honest, I think we've all been all three. I know I have. But tonight, we will focus on the consecrated single woman. What does she look like? How does she live her life? This is the part, Val. So if you're taking notes, um, this is a good time to do it. So number one. She has chosen to put God first in her life. She has made a conscious choice to put God first. Not, be, not before anything else is the Lord, first and foremost. Matthew 6.33 says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. The next thing she's done is she's placed her complete trust in God. She doesn't just call, call out to God when she needs him. She doesn't call out to God when she's in trouble. But she knows that God is a part of her every day, just like you're breathing, just like the air that we have to take in every day. God is a part of her complete life, 24 hours a day. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 say, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Next, this lady it says she does not walk in fear. Matthew 6.25 says, Therefore I say unto you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, 
nor about your body or what, or what you will put on. Is not this life more than food and the body more than clothing? Next, she hopes in God first and foremost. Romans 15.13 says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I mean, don't you want that? Don't you want all joy, all peace? This is the season, like Kathy was saying, this is the season of rejoicing. Our Savior is born. His mother, this beautiful, young, obedient teenager, you know, humbled herself before God and allowed the Messiah to, be, to come through her. We should be rejoicing that we have hope. And you see people like, you know, like my, I have tortoises. Like, they look like little old grumpy pickled people, <laughs> you know? I mean, it's, this world will just beat you down. That's why we need Jesus every day, every day. Uh, number five, she is a woman of prayer. 1 John five fourteen and 15 says, Now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according, again, according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have petitions. Um, we have the petitions that we have asked of him. Next, she prays for God's people. Uh, I'm not going to read this one because this is really long. It's Ephesians 1, 1 through 19. So... How are we doing for time? Okay, we're doing okay. Uh, next, she's uh, not defined by the world's view. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of, the, of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Next, she dresses modestly. 1 Timothy 2, 9 and 10 says, And in like manner that the women adorn themselves in modest apparel, with propriety and moderation, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly clothing, but which is proper for women professing godliness with good works. Next, it says that she is holy in her conduct. 1 Peter 1, 15 and 16 says, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all of your conduct. Because it is written, be holy for I am holy. Any Christian who is not consecrated, not separated to the Lord, will accomplish very little or nothing at all for heaven. When we try to fulfill ourselves outside of God's plan, we'll soon discover that it will never work. Stormy O'Mardian said, We will never be happy until we make God the source of our fulfillment and the answer to all of our longings. He alone is the one who should have power over our souls. Okay, and to our, our young people tonight, we want, I, wanted to, I should have said this in the beginning, I wanted to say welcome. It is such a blessing to have you guys here. We welcome you, we treasure you, we love you, we're here for you. Our youth in the church bring an essential role to bring a fresh perspective on things. Pray God holds them close, gives them clear direction and vision. Pray for sensitivity to God's voice. Pray for them. They're amazing. Remember to encourage them every time you get an opportunity. They're our future. 1 Timothy 4.12 says, Don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set an example to the believers in your speech, in your conduct, and in your love, in your faith, and in your purity. 
you know, we're, we're blessed in our church that, you know, we're starting to see the youth stepping up. And it may not be a lot of them right now, but look what the Lord did with just 12 men in the world. And, you know, we have, um, we have a, Christmas, a Christmas event coming up Christmas Eve, and there's going to be a choir and a band and a beautiful message from our pastor. And, you know, the, the young woman that, I hope I don't embarrass her, but the young woman that's overseeing the choir just graduated from high school. And she loves the Lord, and it's a blessing to call her part of my family. And it's exciting to see her, you know, it's like, yeah, do it, do it, yes. Because, you know, you want, you want them to step up. And sometimes, you know, when they're young, they think, well, you know, you're older, you know better, you probably could do it better. How will you learn? How will you learn if you don't step up? And we got to come alongside them and say, you know, you can do this. I got it. So, Sammy, I got you. Where are you? <laughs> So for the young people here, you know, I encourage you, because we don't have the time tonight, but study the lives of young people that God used. People like Deborah, Lydia, Ruth, Esther, Joseph, Daniel, David, Samuel, and Jeremiah. All of these servants serve the living God very early in their lives. And to our younger sisters in Christ, please remember to pray for us. Pray for your pastor, for your youth leaders, for your parents, for your guardians, for your Cornerstone family. Because we needed to. Okay, so moving forward, now it's time for our seasoned saints who are saying, so what the heck is going on now? So for us that have been walking around for a long time, seasoned saints are women that are full of life, godly wisdom, experience, history, compassion, tons of stories, and so much more. They have sat at the Lord's feet for many, many years and have gained wisdom and insight over those years. Most of us no longer have the busyness of school schedules, carpools, lunches, mega laundry piles, homework, and the stresses that are part of a young family's daily routine. Basically, we're a lot more available. Older saints have so much to offer the next generation. So pray to come alongside a younger sister for encouragement, for a time in the word, for prayer, accountability, and advice. We all have at least an hour in our month that's not accounted for. We all do. You know, I, I meet my students once a week. And right now with COVID and all that, most of the time it's either text or phone or FaceTime. But, you know, I have one that she's sick right now. And it blesses me when she'll say, you know, when she'll say, you know, Linda, pray for me. I'm, I'm not feeling good. And I got a term paper and she's in the performing arts. And, you know, she's praying for a boyfriend. And, you know, and she's sick. She's so sick right now. And I'm like, I'll pray for you right now. She goes, no, pray for me when you got time. I, I got time right now. Let's pray right now. And, you know, I don't know if I've shared this before because, you know, we mostly get a chance to teach like once a year or so. But whenever somebody asks you for prayer about something, and I'm saying this out loud because it's for me to listen to, please. But whenever somebody says, you know, can you please pray for me? You know, uh, you know my marriage is in trouble, whatever. You know, so, you know my, um, I'm praying about I might lose my job. Don't say, oh, yes, yeah, I'll pray for you. No, let's pray right now. Let's pray right now. And just put your hand on her and pray for her. Because let's be honest, you go home and, you, and there's laundry and cooking and you got to run to Costco and put gas in the car and you forget. And then you see him and it's like, oh, I forgot. You know, and then she's like, yeah, I lost my job. And then you feel like two cents, you know what I mean? You know, we need to be sensitive to each other. We need to. Sorry. So, but... 
We all need a kind word of encouragement, you know. Even, you know, for those of you that are old school like me, I love getting notes in the mail. I do. You know, you can, go to, you can go to the Dollar Tree or 99 and buy a packet of those little cards and just write somebody a card. And when they're not looking, stick it in their Bible. I love doing that. I love when someone does it for me, too. You know, it's like, that. oh, you're such a blessing. Thank you for praying for me. You know, just want you to know I love you. This doesn't have to be a reason just because. Just because are usually the best, I think, the best times. But they go a long way in the life of a young believer, in a seasoned saint, in building our spiritual foundations. So tonight, as we move forward, we're going to look into the lives of a few of the older women, the seasoned saints that have lived a separated life. Uh, The first one we'll talk about is Anna. Her name appears only briefly in the New Testament, but her life served an important purpose. Near the end of Luke chapter 2, we meet a prophetess named Anna, having married early in her life, but lost her husband only after seven years of marriage, and she never remarried. As Mary and Joseph brought the baby Jesus into the temple, they encountered 84-year-old Anna, who praised the Lord when she saw the child. So she served the Lord in the temple, like, what, like 75 years? That's so cool. Um, We don't know much about her, about this older woman, but she is considered one devoted to God during the time when many were not so pious. Her role was to to proclaim the arrival of the Messiah, much as John the Baptist would later do it, uh, when it was time for Jesus' Jesus' ministry to begin. Mary Magdalene, we're not sure how old she was, but we know that she was older. Throughout the ministry of Jesus, we meet a number of single women in the Bible. Mary Magdalene is talked about in all four of the Gospels, making her one of the most memorable people whom Jesus encounters. From the accounts in Luke, we see that Mary has been tormented by seven demons until Jesus came to her life and freed her from her burdens. She was one of the many people who followed Jesus after experiencing healing. But unlike others, her devotion endured even to his death. And after he died, she anointed his body in preparation for his burial in the tomb. She was obedient to the point of ministering to him and his loved ones after his burial. And she was one of the first to she was the first to learn of his resurrection and one of the first to see Jesus after his resurrection. That's Matthew chapter 28, 1 through 9. And then the next one I'm going to share with is Mary, the mother of Jesus. We see, uh, we see early in Mary's life that she was a young teenager, sensitive to God's voice and leading. She had a quiet spirit. She was humble. She was controlled and knowledgeable of the Old Testament scriptures. Luke tells us the story of Jesus' birth from Mary's standpoint. We read about her maidenly fears, her humble submission to the will of God in chapter 1, her praise to God for the honor given to her to be the mother of the Messiah. She was not given to talking to others about her experience, but kept all these things in her heart. That's Luke 2.51. There's no record of her husband Joseph after the incident in the temple when Jesus was 12 years old, when Jesus was teaching in the temple. Later, in John chapter 2, verses 1 through 11, we see Mary in Cana of Galilee, where she asked Jesus about the wine problem at the wedding that they attended. And, you know, many times we think that in that passage, when we see, when we see that Jesus calls her woman, it sounds more like he's rebuking her. But the word woman is the same word that he used on the cross when he commended her care to his beloved disciple, 
That's John 19:26. Mary was at the cross when they crucified Christ. She watched helplessly as her beloved son in agony as he carried the cross. Here we see Jesus' love and compassion for Mary, for the bond that they share by committing her to the trustworthy care of the apostle closest to him. And later, in Acts chapter 1, 14, we see Mary in the upper room. Mary's with the believers, engaged with them in prayer and in the Holy Spirit. She was a faithful servant. She lived an example life for us all. And I, just for time's sake, I want to just stop right there for, for another thing. But there's so many other seasoned saints we need to read about. Um, for us, for, you know, look up what the Lord did with uh, seasoned saints like Naomi and Esther and Ruth and Rahab, and Mary, Martha's sister, Dorcas. I like that name, Dorcas. You know, the awesome thing about Dorcas is that, you know, we think about God using you in this lifetime. The Lord used Dorcas after she died. Remember that story? I'm not going to tell it to you. Look it up. Just to name a few. So if you truly desire to be holy and wisely content, remember that not everyone is called to be single forever. For most of us, it's for a season. But that's God's timing, not mine. Study his word. Pray. Sit at his feet. Learn to wait and be still. This is a lesson for all of us. It's a lifelong lesson for all of us. Study the women around you who model the kind of wife and example you desire to be. Don't spend all of your free time with single people only. Ask a seasoned saint to look up, you look up to, to mentor you, even if you can only connect every couple of weeks. You'll both grow in your journey of faith. I guarantee it. Read books and articles about godly relationships and godly marriages. Spend precious time with the shepherd of your heart. Get to know the shepherd deeper. There's a... I'm not going to read it to you, but there's a book that I read probably every couple of years. This one's pretty old, but it's called A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23 by Philip Keller. And it's an easy read. If you're a strong reader, you read this thing like in three hours. But I like to chew it and mark it and take notes. And, and basically what it talks about is about a, a gentleman that actually bought a flock of sheep and learned how to be a shepherd. And he gets to know each one of them individually you know, he knows the one that has the floppy ear, and he knows the one that has twin, twin lambs every year, and he knows the rebellious ones, and he knows the, the docile ones, the calm ones. And the beautiful thing is that the more time he spends with them, and them with him, they know him. They know what he sounds like. They know what he smells like. They know that, you know, for the ones that, that you know, uh, compete for, for space and, and grass, if he walks, they'll just stop. They won't fight anymore because they know he's the rule. He's the rule maker. He's the, he's a line maker. You know, he's their shepherd. He's a shepherd of their heart. He's a shepherd of their, of their safety. And his goal, just like in Psalm 23, his goal is to lead you to green pasture, to restore your soul. You know, he doesn't want any harm to come to any one of us. And sometimes we forget that. You know, being a Christian doesn't have to be difficult, you know, but it has to be a commitment. It has to be something that you've got to be committed to do every day. You know, my grandmother used to tell me, I'll say it in English, but she goes, it's too easy to forget what's important, so don't. Except she used to go, so don't. So, so you know, it is. It's easy to forget what's really important in this world, so don't. Apply, your, apply yourself. Um, spend precious time with the shepherd of your heart. Get to know him. Pick a time to meet with the Lord. Commit to it. Start with prayer or song. Open your heart. And then open the word. 
Journal your thoughts and prayers. Pray, pray, pray. Wait, pray, wait, pray. Expect that God will meet you. And don't forget the benefits of being single. It's just you and God, hand in hand, heart to heart. Second Peter 1.3 says, As his divine power has given, given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. And lastly, for the single ladies, for the widows, for the seasoned saints, for the divorced, for those waiting, for those hurting, for the new believers, and anyone else that's listening, be encouraged. Knowing Jesus at an intimate level is what matters more than anything else this side of heaven. We need to remember that in the grocery store, on campus, in traffic, in our relationships with our church, with our family, at home, and with others. It needs to be Jesus first. Jesus at the center of everything. Jesus, the shepherd of my heart. And in closing, I wanted you all to remember this. Your life is your message to this world. Make it inspiring. Let's pray. Father, we just come before you, Lord, and there's so much more to cover, Lord. But for time's sake, I thank you for this opportunity to glean from your word. And I pray for for each of my sisters here, Lord, and the ones that are watching, Lord, that your hand, your divine hand, would be upon each one of their lives. I pray, Father, that you show them just the gifts that you've given them, Lord, and help them not to be afraid to step out and use those talents that you've blessed them with. I pray for the next generation, Father, as well, Lord that you would just um, be their foundation, be their strength, be their source. That you would show them, Father, that your word is not for when they're 20 or 30. Their word, your word is alive for them now. And they can apply your, your, le- your lessons and your promises and your statutes now. And I pray you just protect them and that you bind back the enemy from them, Lord. We pray, Father God, for the daughters that are here, Lord, that are single. We pray, Father God, for the, if it's your will, Lord, to bring a man into their life, I pray, dear God, that he would be a man that has a heart after you. That, Father, he would not want anything or anyone else before wanting you in his life first. And I pray, God, for the women that are here, Lord, that are praying for a husband, Lord. Work in our hearts, Father, those areas that maybe we're holding on to, maybe the things that we're wrestling with you with. Like, I come before you, Lord, and I just pray, Father, for them that, Whatever we struggle with, Lord, help us to remember, Lord, that your love is pure. You'll never hurt us. You'll never let us down. And, Lord, we just thank you that you are faithful, Lord. During this season, Lord, help us to rejoice, not to say happy holidays, but to say have a blessed and a a, a merry Christmas, Lord, because, Christ, you are risen. You are born as a gift to this world, to this sinful world, Lord, and I thank you for that precious gift. Help us to hold that in our hearts, God. And if there's anybody here tonight that's hurting, anybody here tonight that's wondering what's going on, um, struggling, Lord, I just pray for them, Lord, that even now, that they wouldn't leave without allowing somebody to pray for them, pray with them. And I pray for them, Lord, you just comfort their hearts even now. Show them, God, that you can be trusted. You are able, Lord, to meet them at their deepest needs. And we, I just thank you for all the years you've been so faithful in my life, Lord God. And I pray for all the, the students I've worked with over the years, Lord, the ones that have gone on and the ones that I'm with now. 
Help me, Father, just to be a reflection of who you are, nothing more. And I thank you for tonight. I pray you bless this holiday season with your presence, God. Cover my sisters. Take them home safely. In your name we pray. Amen.